Hey there, Crosswinds family and friends. Uh, we are actually concluding this weekend our series called Family Talk, uh, one we've been looking at over the past seven weeks, an eight-week series. And we're going to conclude it with a topic that really will hit home for all of us, although none of us will want to admit it, and that's conflict. Conflict hits all of us. And, and we we, we look at this topic, conflict, with the understanding that we've really highlighted each and every week, and that's that the family is the essential building block of human society. And when we talk about family, especially as we look through Scripture, there's this biological family all of us are a part of, but there's also this spiritual family. The biological family for me is my wife, my kids, other relatives. You understand that. And my spiritual family is everyone who ever has, is, or will uh, come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And more specifically, for me, as I talk about my local church family, it's us. It's crosswinds. And and we understand since really the family is this building block, this essential building block of, uh, of human society, that when, when God looks at us, what does he call us to? Well, he desires for us to live in unity with him and others. Unity. He wants us to be united with him. He wants us to be united with, in our biological families. He wants us to be united in our spiritual families. God wants to experience this wholeness in Christ, which is the fruit of the Spirit's work in the life of each and every one of us believers. But the obstacle to oneness the obstacle to this wholeness that we can experience in Jesus is sin. When, when sin entangles us, it leads to fractured marriages, scattered families, and broken people. And the first conflict between a married couple, interestingly, happens with the very first couple. In Genesis chapter 3, when sin caused the rift between The original couple, Adam and Eve, this rift between themselves and a rift between themselves and God. In fact, the first sibling rivalry occurred with their children. It's recorded for us in Genesis chapter 4, where the the jealousy of, of Cain leads him to kill his brother Abel. Did you hear what I said? The jealousy of Cain leads him to kill his brother Abel. Yes, the first family was a dysfunctional one due to sin. And and, and this brings conflict. Conflict, simply defined, is is a disagreement or struggle between two opposing beliefs. And and we understand that some conflicts are minor. A, A minor conflict may be over the right way to put toilet paper on the toilet paper dispenser. Of course, all of us know the right way is over, not under, right? Some conflicts are major. A major conflict is the difference parents may have in how to raise their children. You bring two people from two different families, bring them together to become one, and they bring all that they've learned and believed from those homes into that relationship. And there's differences. And those differences can be minor, and some of them can be major. See, here's the simple truth. Anytime there's a disagreement or struggle between two opposing beliefs, there's a conflict. And here's something else that's important for us to recognize. Conflict is something that everyone will encounter. 
Like this topic I know is for everyone because if you are a human being, if you're a living something on planet Earth, you're going to experience conflict. Conflict is something that everyone will encounter. Some will even face conflict daily in relationships and in circumstances. This is important because often we go through conflict, and as we're going through, through it, we feel as if we're the only one to ever go through conflict or the only one to ever go through that type of conflict. Think about it. Conflict existed with the first couple, the first family, and as long as there's people this side of paradise, there will always be conflict. Now, I know that doesn't seem encouraging. I know it doesn't, but listen to me. Not all conflict is harmful. Some differences are natural and even beneficial. Some conflict is healthy, presenting an opportunity to learn from one another and and strengthen the bond between people who seek a positive resolution. My wife and I have had conflicts in our marriages, and and as the Lord has, has worked in us to resolve those conflicts, our relationship has been strengthened. We we've grown together. And so not all conflict is harmful. Some differences are natural, some can even be beneficial. However, some conflict is destructive. Some conflict is destructive. In fact, many disagreements are are the result of sinful motives and behavior, you know, selfish motives, selfish behavior. Uh, When conflict results from sinful desires or actions, uh, they're just too serious to simply overlook, and they need to be dealt with in a God-honoring, straightforward manner. We handle conflict in a way that honors God, because when we boil it down, we got to get a handle on this, that conflict matters. Like it matters to God, it matters to others, it, it, it matters. A couple of, of friends, I heard the story of a couple of friends, they, they were on this motorcycle ride. In fact, there were three friends, a few friends. They're on this motorcycle ride, and, and, and they pull up to this to this restaurant, this roadside restaurant diner, and they go in. One of the gentlemen on the motorcycle was really rude type of guy, and the restaurant was packed. And he saw a guy who was obviously finishing up his meal and just sort of sipping away at the last bit of coffee he had. And so very rudely, this man came up to this man sitting there and said, hey, if you're almost done, would you get up so, the re- so we- me and my friends can have a place to sit? The man said, hey, look, I'm just finishing up. My-. And before he could finish his sentence, the man said, you're finished with your coffee. You need to leave. Now, that's rude. The man got up, didn't say a word, and headed out into the, into the parking lot. Sure enough, a waitress came up and was a little distracted. And the, and the bully of the group, this rude uh, individual, asked her rudely, said, what are you looking at? And the waitress responded, Some guy just got into his Mack truck and ran over three motorcycles. Now, think about that. How we deal with conflict matters. Now, that's not the right way to deal with conflict. You know, it's sort of a funny story, but but we all can relate to that. We can relate to to times where we've dealt with conflict in, in a positive way, times where we've dealt with conflict in a negative way, times where we maybe were the rude person who who created the conflict, or we were the person bearing the result of somebody being rude. See, here's the point, though. God is serious about unity and peace. 
So we have this conflict that we deal with, but God is serious about unity and peace. God wants us to experience peace with him. And as we turn over the leadership of our life to him, he wants us to experience inner peace as well as peace with others. He he wants us to have a peace in us that instead of being part of the chaos that conflict can create, that we can step into the chaos and bring his peace, that we can bring a a solid witness into the chaos and conflict of who God is, the power of God, the, the, the redemptive nature of who God is, the restitution that can be made through the love and power of God. See, this is the good news. The good news is that God has a plan to resolve conflict that leads to oneness and peace in him, a oneness and peace with others, and a wholeness that's found only in Christ. Paul challenges us in 1 Corinthians. He writes this, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. He writes, do all to the glory of God. Do everything you do to the glory of God. Do all things to the glory of God. And this, conclu- this includes the way we handle conflict. We handle conflict in a way that, that glorifies God when we trust him, believing that he wants what's best for, for every one of us involved, for me, for you, for everyone involved. We show our trust in him by obeying him. And we obey him how? By following his spirit's leading of us through his Bible, the word, by imitating him, by imitating Jesus. We believe, we we trust, we obey, we we follow. We imitate the Lord. We trust and obey God. Let me share three ways to handle in conflict. There's there's many teachings in scripture, but let me share three ways. The first two principles are pulled from Proverbs 15.1. Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Uh, a, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. All of us have been in a conflict with someone that has led to a heated discussion. It's important to take a moment and pause. When we find ourselves in, in, in that conversation, it's just sort of rising up. In other words, it's a conversation where, where it's not a soft answer, where harsh words are being spoken. It's important to take a moment to pause, to breathe, to count to 10 and pray. When we're provoked, usually our first response is not the best. So take a moment, breathe, count to 10, and ask God to direct the way you respond. See, in conflict, we need to pause and pray. Listening also helps us give a soft answer amidst conflict. Uh, Listen to the person with the opposing belief and listen to wise counsel. It's so easy to be an over-talker. Do you know what I mean by over-talker? The other person is, is, is stating how they feel, and you're not really listening to them. You're preparing your response to something you haven't really even listened to. Anyone ever been in that conflict, don't raise your hand because you might be sitting next to the person you recently had one with. You're over-talking. You're not listening. You're not counting the 10. You're, 
you're ready. I mean, you got your point. You're, you're the argument master, and you're ready to prove and win, and we've all been there. Listen to the person. Listen to the person. Listen to wise counsel. Let God's word marinate in your soul. Respond, led by the Spirit. In conflict, listen to the other person and listen to wise counsel. It's incredible how knowledge gained from an opposing view and godly advice on how to proceed in a godly way can lead to a soft answer rather than a harsh word. And what does the proverb tell us? Give a soft answer. That doesn't mean a weak answer. It doesn't mean a doormat answer. It just means a thought-out answer, an answer motivated in love, rather than a harsh answer motivated in selfishness. The third principle is found in, in Colossians. Colossians 4, 6. It says, let your speech always be gracious, gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Know how you ought to answer each person. This verse addresses, in part, how we're to live as a Christian. That, that when we look at God's word, when we look at God's word, that, that we understand what does it really mean to, 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 to live according to what is written here. How do we really follow Christ's example? In Colossians 4, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. What's that mean? It means that your speech is, is appealing. For me, when I, if I was to interpret that in words that would help me understand, it would be like salted caramel. How many of you like that, or salted chocolate? You know what I mean? I mean, it's attractive. I mean... I only know a few people who don't like chocolate, and I pray for them often. But you know what I'm getting at. Maybe you're a person who likes extra salt, and, you know, you taste something. It just isn't that attractive. You put a little salt on it, and all of a sudden. And Paul says, let your words, let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt. In other words, such a character is attractive and God-honoring. Simply put, Choose your words carefully. Choose your words carefully. In conflict, choose your words carefully. Saying something like this, you're being ridiculous, doesn't ever help a conflict get better. Pointing out all the error in someone else's argument right away, right? Just so you can prove you're right doesn't help a conflict get better. However, a phrase like, I see things differently. Or when I hear you talking, this is what I hear you saying. Am I accurate in that? Or, or I have some questions about what you just said. Now, here's the problem. If we're over-talking, if we're just trying to get our point across, we're not going to ask them to repeat themselves. We're not going to ask them to explain themselves because to be real honest, we don't care what they think. But if we're following the example of Christ, if we're, if we're taking time to pause and pause and pray 
and pause and pray and listen to them and listen to wise counsel, God's word, and other things we've learned about conflict, then we'll be careful with our words. We'll say something like, I don't, I don't, I have a couple of questions about what you said. And things like that, words like, would you repeat yourself? Or am I hearing you right? Will you explain yourself? I'm just, I don't understand this. What does that do? It shows that we really care about them. It shows them, I'm not claiming to be all-knowing. I'm not claiming to be perfect. But I really want to understand. I want to reach a deeper understanding with you. You matter. And when everything's said and done, the only thing we take with us is people. Like, people matter. That's why conflict matters to God, because he wants us to be unified. He wants us to experience peace with him and peace within ourselves and and his peace flowing from us into the relationships we're part of. See, God's word has much to say about how to handle and resolve conflicts. We just like just looked at just a small piece of the knowledge that's in this, this amazing book made up of 66 books, the Bible, right? God's knowledge on how to live in unity and peace with one another. What I've shared then is not exhaustive, but but it's a good start. It's a good start to to learn how to resolve conflict in a healthy, God-honoring way. Ultimately, only the Lord's Spirit's work in our life can cultivate a godly character that we need to navigate conflict and bring peace and be at peace and glorify God. We need the Lord. It's not the absence of conflict, but the way we handle conflict that glorifies the Lord. See, I started by saying everyone's going to deal with conflict, and we're all going to deal with conflict. So it's not the absence of conflict that glorifies God. That would be an impossible task. We couldn't even control that. If we could live perfectly, other imperfect people would bring conflict into our life, but we're not perfect. We're not perfect. They're not perfect. Imperfect people, conflict. Even perfect, imperfect people with a perfect God, Adam and Eve, conflict because of our imperfection. So glorifying God is in the absence of conflict. What is it? It's handling it. It's handling it in a way that, that, that honors him. We will all face conflict. This is a fact of life, but we will not all handle it well. If you want to handle conflict well, then trust God. Trust him. Pause. Breathe. Count to ten and pray. And, and as you trust him by seeking him, obey him. The prayer should not be, God, make me right. <laughs> Help everyone know I'm right. The prayer should be, Lord, I want your truth to prevail. I want, I want your peace to reign. And God, I can't control if anyone else receives your peace, but let me have your peace. Bring your peace in me. See, some conflict will never be resolved between people because one person may want to resolve it and the other may not. But that doesn't mean that you can't live in peace. You can choose to trust God and follow his leading and be filled with peace. In fact, Paul writes about that in conflict, about that, about conflict this way in, in the book of Romans. He says, 
And when you respond with that peace and that love to someone who doesn't want to resolve conflict, this is like heaping hot coals on their head. It's like startling. I can't help but think that's what Jesus did. I can't think of a greater conflict than an innocent man being put on trial, being beaten and crucified. And Jesus knows what awaits him is the cross. He heads there because he loves us. And he's perfect, and all these other people are not. And so Jesus, who could have called legions and legions of angels, you know, Father, get him, zap him. I'm right, they're wrong. He goes to the cross humbly. He says, Father, forgive them. And then he dies so we can have life, that we can be delivered from our conflict with sin, our destiny because of the gulf between us and God. Jesus filled that so we can be in relationship with God. Trust God, obey him, follow the Spirit's leading, imitate God. Remember, every time you and I encounter conflict, we have the opportunity to show, to show the world around us what we really think about God. Every time we enter into a conflict, we have this opportunity before us to, to show the person we're in conflict with or the people or simply the world around us what we believe about God. Let me encourage each of us, trust God. Let me encourage us to obey, obey him by following his spirit's leading, by, by getting into his word and learning. Say, the spirit of God, help me imitate Jesus. Help me become So we know that the first couple had conflict. They had co conflict between each other. They had a conflict between themselves and God. We know that the first sibling rivalry was really with the first siblings, Cain and Abel. We know that conflict is a part of everyone's life. But let me encourage you, way back, in that first conflict between Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve and God, God said, I'm going to send one who's going to put an end to this. That's Jesus. But the first step in, in resolving conflict is by resolving that inner conflict and coming to him. If you've yet to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's, that's like your, our first step. Again, trust God. Trust God with your life. Our second step is to grow, to, to obey, to, to follow the Spirit's leading, to, to become the person that we've been created to be in Christ Jesus. And it's not a perfect process, not because God's not perfect, but we're imperfect. The, the process of becoming like Jesus, we call it sanctification. The process of becoming like Jesus, sanctified, is a messy process because of us. But it's a beautiful process because of God. And as we learn how to walk like him, it doesn't mean that we'll be void of conflict. It means that we'll be able to honor God and glorify Him in the midst of conflict. That every message in this series, we've looked at the fact that God wants us to experience a oneness with Him and others and a wholeness that's found only in Christ. And I'm here to tell you one of the greatest miracles of God the greatest miracle is salvation we have in Jesus, to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. 
who died on the cross for our sins, resurrected for our salvation. But I'll tell you another miracle is how even in the midst of conflict, we can still experience a oneness with God and have the power to not just experience peace with and to through the power of the Spirit have an inner peace within us, but to be able to take his peace into the chaos and conflict around us. God loves you. As we've looked at this family talk, it's all about God's love for you. God loves you. Won't you come to him? Trust God. Obey and follow the Spirit. Learn what it means to walk in his peace. Let me tell you, conflict may not go away, but neither will the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. That won't go away. And the difference it will make with you will be eternal. And the difference it possibly can make in others will be eternal as well. Let me pray for you. Father, this is a big topic. There isn't a one of us, this side of paradise, who doesn't experience conflict. And your word is filled not only with ways in which we can deal with conflict in a way that honors you, but story after story after story of conflict. In fact, the Bible is a, is a book that, that of 66 books which describes how Jesus came to put that final conflict at bay. That when Jesus returns and when we see him face to face, that we'll have no more conflict. But still, today, we live outside of paradise, and so we still experience conflict with others and, and sometimes inner conflict, and it's real. Sometimes it's minor. Sometimes it's major. Sometimes it's beneficial. Even the conflicts I've had in my life as I've learned how to trust in God has been beneficial in me growing closer to the Lord and closer to others. But some of it's destructive. And we need your healing. We need your leading. God, help us humble ourselves before you. Maybe even now to pause, take a breath, don't get tense. Say, God, I need you. I need your direction in this relationship. I need your direction in this conflict. Listen, help me, God, listen to your spirits leading. Let me learn from your word. Let me imitate you so that I can have unity with you, a growing unity with others, but I, so that I can experience a oneness with you and a oneness with others, a wholeness found only in you, God. Thank you for offering us salvation. Thank you for offering us this wonderful relationship we can have with you, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the overwhelming peace that only you can give. In Jesus' name.